Yeah. Right, lovely. Thank you. Yeah, I'm on as well. Lovely, thank you. Um, I'd like just to apologise, actually, because I'm going to break with the church tradition this morning on two counts. The first count is that I can more or less promise you that every slide I use this morning hasn't got a spelling mistake. <laughs> <laughs> and please remember, you know, don't... But, 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 Oh, well, that's life. <laughs> First promise broken. Um, and, you know, the, remember, remember the church motto, don't shoot the tripist, she's doing her best. Um, <laughs> the second thing is that I'm... Please don't think that you're going to sit where you are this morning. Because um, you're not. You're going to be moving around. So expect anything for the next um, half an hour to 45 minutes. Um, right, I've been asked this, this morning to talk about the resurrection as John records it. Um, it's very interesting um, how John actually puts the story of the resurrection together. He does it slightly differently to the other, the other three Gospels. But we'll say a little bit more about that for stars. But although I start with that, because if you remember, we, we use that at Easter. Um, somebody said to me it was the resurrection, it looked like in the style of Life of Brian, but, you know, but um, very sort of you know, tongue-in-cheek. The fact of the matter is, though, it was effective. And everybody I talked to, as soon as they saw that, um, recognised it what it was. They thought, oh yeah, it's the yeah, it's resurrection. Yeah, it's the resurrection of Jesus. I, me- I remember, I remember having, having lunch with a colleague of mine, uh, and it, it was actually Jewish by background, and it, dro- and it dropped out of the, you know, that dropped out of Madari. Uh, and um, she said, oh, there's something, on the res- about, something about the resurrection there. Cause it was recognised instantly. And, you know, if you... If you Go and talk to somebody, you know, just say to, say to somebody, and I don't suggest you do it, but if you did turn around to somebody on the, on the, on the bus and say, what's the resurrection then? Uh, apart from the fact he might say, decide you're completely around the bend, but, you know, but you have some idea what you're talking about. So, I want you to do something for me for just two minutes. Could you turn to somebody and decide why you think the resurrection is important? Well, there's a rule. You're not allowed to talk to anybody you're married to. So if you're sat next to somebody you're not married to, you're okay. But if you're sat next to your wife or your husband, to find somebody else. So can you please go and talk for two minutes why the resurrection is important. Off you go. Two minutes. One minute. <laughs> One minute to go. Mm. Okay, time, ladies and gentlemen, please. Um, <laughs> I said two minutes. <laughs> okay, um, right, any offers please? What have you decided? Why is, it, why, is it, why is the resurrection important? Any offers over here please in this block? And without the resurrection, the victory wouldn't have been won. Without resurrection? Without the resurrection, the victory wouldn't have been won. Anybody else want to contribute over here? Brenda, you have to speak up. I'm a bit deaf today, I really am. Sorry? It's got a key to life. 
Key to life. Okay, this centre block, please. Any off? Resurrection, Jesus could have been just a good man. Uh, okay, fine. Over that resurrection, Jesus just been a good man. That's good as well because that was nicely projected as well, so we can all hear. Well done, Tony. Thank you. <laughs> um, the um, say, so don't worry about repeating yourself, by the way. Hang on, come to you a second. Yeah, go on. <laughs> Microphone now. Totally unnecessary. If, if, Wes, if Wesley had relied on PA, he'd, he'd never left Surrey. <laughs> right, any offers, please? Yeah, death isn't the end. It isn't the, death isn't the end, right. Yeah. Somebody over here was mumbling, yeah? The proof, yeah. The proof that Jesus was who he said he was. And finally, this block over here, please. Say? Foundations, right, okay, that's right. Jesus wasn't raised. Okay, a lot of really good stuff there. And uh, please don't think I'm being rude if I say this, but in a sense, that's the sort from an audience that is by and large committed. That's what I w- that's really what I would expect. Um, let's have a look and see what other people have said then. This gives you an idea of how important it is. Two quotations I found. First one's really interesting. Dan Brown, the author of Da Vinci Code and a few other books. Um, by the way, if you want a really good yarn to read, good holiday reading, have a read of the Da Vinci Code, but do remember it. Now Pete's turned his nose at this point, but you know, it's a good yarn. It's total historical rubbish. You know, don't treat it as don't treat it as, as reality. It's a good yarn, good film, but you know, don't believe it, please. But he says this, and interesting, Dan Brown makes it very clear he's not a Christian boy. But he says, suggesting a married Jesus is one thing. Yeah, okay. But questioning the resurrection undermines the very heart of Christian belief. And he knows it. And he saw, he knows from his non-Christian perspective the importance of the resurrection. Now, Bernard Langer, the golfer, um, well known in the golf circuit as a Christian, and he said this, to a Christian, Easter Sunday comes from a rather different tradition from what we are, but is they're all the same. To a Christian, Easter Sunday means everything when we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So there's two quotes, and there's a few, there's a few others I found. If you want to have a look at them, um, let, me know, let me know afterwards, I'll point you in the right direction. But it's very interesting. You come from, from a Christian perspective, come to a non-Christian perspective, looking at these is, is Muslim perspectives, even more interesting, that they all recognise, whether they believe it or not, the importance of the resurrection. Let's have a look and see what Paul says. Now, somebody's, a few people indirectly have quoted this already, and you won't be surprised if I turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Now, it's fairly faint on the screen. It's partly up there for my purposes, but if you want to follow it yourself, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and I'm going to start at verse 3. But as it says there, please have a look at what I highlighted. Because this is Paul writing to the Corinthians... Now, very often it's important when you read any book in the New Testament to ask yourself, why was it written? Paul didn't sit down and write the letters to the Corinthians because he thought they were nice people. He might have thought they were nice people, but primarily he was writing to the Corinthians because he was correcting things that had gone wrong in the church. And it's the same in the first letter of the Corinthians, same in the second letter of the Corinthians. And in this particular bit bit of his letter, what he's correcting is the belief that had come into the church, say a little bit more about this when we actually get into John's Gospel, 
but the belief that had come into the church that Jesus hadn't actually risen from the dead. Or Jesus was never fully God and fully man, therefore it was, you know, it was a spirit that rose, to the, rose from the dead. There were all sorts of various teachings being, being taught and accepted in the church. If you want to give them a name, the general name for them is Gnostics. It's where we get our word agnostic, you don't know. And this was, the, this was a, a view and a teaching that was quite big in the Corinthian church from the Gnostics, but there were other groups as well. But it's interesting how Paul starts, actually. He starts off by saying, For I delivered you, first of all, that which I also received. And half his congregation, half the people listening to that for the first time, would have sat up and said, hang on, that's important. Because what he was using was a standard introduction used by the Jewish rabbis. And about half, his, half the people listening to that the first time would have thought, hang on a minute, that's important. What it really means is, look up and listen. This is important. So then he goes on. Let's look at what he says next. Because what he's doing here, he's offering to the Corinthians the evidence for the resurrection. Let's read it. He was buried, he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. He was seen by Cephas, Peter. Then by the twelve. After that he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remained to the present, for some have fallen asleep. By the way, this doesn't altogether coordinate with all the Gospel accounts. There's obviously some things being referred to aren't always in the Gospel accounts. More about that later. Let's read on. Um, of whom the greater part remained to the present, but some have fallen asleep. After that he was seen by James, then by all the apostles, and last of all he was seen by me also, as by one born out of due time. Remember what his audience was. His audience was a mixture of Jews and non-Jews. And he starts off by saying, look, Jesus was raised from the dead in accordance with what was in the Old Testament scriptures. And he makes that very, very clear. It's the same, same sort of theme that Peter, Peter went in for on, on the day of Pentecost. When he, refer, when he referred back all the time to the Old Testament scriptures. But then he goes on and says, look, all those people, Peter, Cephas, then the twelve, um, 500 brethren at once, um, James, the, all the apostles, last of all me. Now, what he's saying is, look, if you're questioning whether Jesus actually was risen from the dead, get out there, ask them. These people are still around. These people can be asked. They can be checked out with them. So, He's very, very clear, very, very clear on that. Um, very interesting, and I'm, um, you can have a think about this yourself. Have you noticed one group that's missing? The women. Mm, the women. Read, take, read into that what you will. <laughs> I, I'm, not, I'm not drawing any conclusions, at least not publicly. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, Paul specifically misses out the women as reliable witnesses. Let's go on. He, he then goes on and plays his trump card, or starts to play his trump card. Now, if Christ is preached that he's been raised from the dead, how do some of you say there's no resurrection of the dead? In other words, now some of you started to refer to that in the evidence that you offered. In other words, hold on a minute, if Jesus isn't raised from the dead, what, what's our hope? What's going to happen to us? Is there something after this life? Bearing in mind <coughs> that, quite a, that a, probably about a quarter, maybe more, of the people who are reading this for the first time would have had a Roman background, 
The Romans, you can still see it today if you go to Rome apparently, I've never seen it myself but I'm sure you can. If you go down and have a look at Roman tombs, a very common phrase that appears on Roman tombs is the Latin phrase, ballet. And having had a good classical education, I can tell you what it means. Any idea? Farewell. Farewell. Roughly translated, it means farewell. Valet, farewell. And in other words, the Romans saw no hope beyond the grave. Some, there was a feeling there might be something, but there was no certainty. And Paul plunges in with that. Goes on. If there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. In other words, if you're not going to rise, Christ has neither. And then he plays his final, final trump card. Missed out a little bit here. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. Somebody on the side talked about this a little bit a few minutes ago. If Christ is not risen, your faith is futile, you're still in your sins, then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. In other words, forget about those that have already died. That's the last you've seen of them. And in this life only you have hope we are all men most pitiable. In other words, if Christ had not risen, actually, putting it into our terms, we might be better off going and playing golf this morning because we're wasting our time here. And it's as simple as that. And he actually says, very starkly, if in this life only we have hope, as the Roman audience would have seen, we are of all men most pitiable. Okay. Let's um, have a look at John for a minute. Do um, you know what I said about, um, you know what I said about um, Paul writing to the Corinthians? Tell me again. Why was he writing? Right, something wrong in the church. Right, and he's a, here he's assembling his evidence. John's writing about 30 years later. And, he, and he's and very interesting. A few years after John, after John was dead and buried, there was a great argument broke out in the church. And the argument was, what bits, what we now call the New Testament, do we include in the New Testament? The early church was very, very keen, I'm talking about AD 200 now roughly, the early church was very, very keen to put John's Gospel in. And the reason they wanted to put John's Gospel in, the reason we got it today, is because of the argument that John puts forward. And guess what? It's our friends the Gnostics again. Somebody tell me, please, the first, somebody tell me the first verse of John's Gospel. All together now. Keep going. Right. You have just taken on the Gnostic heresy head on. Because everything you've said there, they did not believe. And yet this was a very strong teaching in the church at the time. And that is, why, that is one of the reasons that John put his gospel together, to counter this false teaching that was going around. Yes, he wanted to record, yes, he wanted to record a, the life of Jesus, but he did it for a particular reason. And don't forget, important this, he's coming to the end of his life. And somebody, somebody once said, that what, people, what people write at the end of their life sometimes has a greater importance. You could almost say they've got nothing to lose. Or perhaps they're reflecting. I'm not quite sure. It's probably a combination of the two. But you can certainly look at John's Gospel in that. And that's his evidence. This is the evidence that Paul, sorry, that John offers 
for the resurrection of Jesus. And not some spiritual thing, not some vague thing, but a definite physical resurrection of Jesus. Now, important. Elsewhere in John's Gospel, in fact, I think he said it twice, he actually says something to the effect of, actually, I haven't put everything in here. And he's being very polite, and he says, I haven't put everything in here because, you know, all the books in the world wouldn't contain it. Well, actually, what he's saying is, I'm making an argument here. I'm putting an argument together, so I'm being selective in what I put in. That's my evidence. Happy with that? Okay. There's these four key bits. Who do we want? You're missing the you're missing the best bit as well. Hurry up. <laughs> okay. There's your evidence that John presents for the resurrection. Now, there's a couple of things you need to consider when you look at these four bits of evidence. First of all, you need to consider what does this story tell you about the resurrection of Jesus? Because they've got different emphases, each one. The other thing you have to do is, ask yourself is, why did John select this section? Because the bits he talks about, the other Gospel writers talk about, he selected his evidence. Why did he select this bit? And are there any questions it leaves unanswered? If there are, fine. If we, if, we can't, if we can't agree, if we can't come up with an answer now to any questions we have, one day you can go up to John and say, what did you mean by? But you may have to wait a while. Um, so, there's four there, isn't there? Um, four questions. Let's go back. There's four questions. I said you were going to move around. So, can you remember your number? No. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four, one. One, two, three, four, 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 one. Okay, hands up the ones. Okay, hands up the ones. You're considering that first passage. Hands up the twos. You're considering the next passage. Hands up the threes. Fours. Okay. One's over there, please. Move the furniture. Two's over there. Three's over there. Four's over there. You've got 20 minutes. Can we have the questions? Yes. The questions are going up again. There is one more thing I'm asking you to do, by the way. I've just put it up on the screen. Say and so you've got 20 minutes, probably a bit less. 15, 15 minutes, sorry, 15 minutes, otherwise I'm going to overrun. If anybody needs a John's Gospel, there's, one over, there's some over there on the stand. For anybody without a gospel, we have got some spurs. Yeah? Okay? 
Group four? Lost somebody. Over here. I thought they were a bit lost. <laughs> I'm going to stop you in 15 minutes and could you appoint a spokesperson please to report back? Could you appoint a spokesperson? Hang on, I'm going to press the microphone. Spokesperson to report that, please. And could you report, appoint a spokesperson to report that, please? Again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And it occurred like this. There were there Simon Peter and Thomas, called the twin, and Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, that's James and John, and two other disciples. And Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. And they said, We will come with you. And so they went and boarded one day. During the night they caught nothing. However, just as morning was dawning, Jesus stood on the beach. His disciples didn't discern that it was Jesus. And then Jesus said to them, Do you have anything to eat? And they answered, No. He said to them, Cast your nets on the right side of the boat, and you will find a catch. So they cast their net on the right side of the boat, and they were no longer able to draw the net in because of the huge number of fishes that they'd caught. Therefore, the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It's the Lord. And Peter, upon hearing that it was the Lord, took his garment, girded it about himself, and plunged into the water. And the other disciples followed on in the boat. They were not far from land, only about 300 feet away, dragging the net fishing. However, when they reached the land, they saw there a charcoal fire with fish lying upon it. And Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish that you've now just caught. And Peter, therefore, went on board and dragged the net to land full of big fish, about 153 in total. Although there were so many fish, the net did not burn. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. Now, not one of the disciples had the courage to inquire of him, Who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took bread and gave it to them in the fish likewise. Now this was the third time that Jesus had appeared to the disciples after being raised from the dead. Now that's up to verse 14.
That could be that could, I mean that could, in a sense though sometimes you get the impression that you know sometimes they've got the gospel writers have got they've got a poor a poor view of somebody yeah. and it and it comes through you know so, I mean I mean don't don't get don't get don't get me wrong I mean I I I believe in I believe in inspiration of scripture but the fact is the people's personality comes out and and you know as you go back to what you said about you know that doesn't Corinthians well Paul you know traditional Jewish background misses the women out. Is that coincidence? No, I don't think it is. You know, <laughs> not, not, I'm still accepting it as holy writ. Don't get me wrong, but you know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think John. You done? You've got um, nine minutes. <laughs> Really? Put yourself into this group. Thank okay. you. Grab a chair from somewhere.
Six minutes, folks. And that's what I'm saying, you'll get into these stories, you know, get behind the words, you know. Yeah. It's Four minutes, folks, and don't forget you need a spokesperson. Four minutes. Yeah. I think 
<laughs> well, the last thing was, are there any questions left unanswered? <laughs> but it was a it was a jolly cold morning in Jerusalem that time of year. It is at least, I'm telling you. <laughs> I'm leaving this group. They're being frivolous. <laughs> Two minutes, folks. Okay, time ladies and gentlemen, uh, right, um, thank you, thank you very much indeed for getting, in, getting, in, getting involved, involved with this. Um, enjoy it? It's, 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 actually quite, it's actually quite interesting to look at it like this and I mean somebody, um, some, and somebody, somebody, in this, somebody in this group, I won't say who it was in case I embarrass Simon, uh, I'm sorry, I'm going to say who it was. Um, the, um, said that um, somebody had already pointed out that when Jesus appeared, um, you know, the women thought he was the gardener. So forget your images of this dazzling white figure. She thought he was the gardener. You know, he was dressed as a gardener. And Simon asked, what was the gardener wearing? Well, you know, Jerusalem that time in the morning is very cold, I can tell you. But, so I hope, um, you know, I hope, never mind, don't go there. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm not sure. We, I don't sure if we need the microphone, but you know, if you do, it's over there. Um, but um, spokesperson, please. That group. Who's going? Right, Carol. It's a challenge for you. We need to be able to hear you. Can we use the microphone, Barbara? Thank you. And we've got about three minutes to do this. Yes, I am rushing you slightly, so apologies for that. Don't. Yeah. No, no, technology is on its way, don't worry. You can probably turn me off completely, actually.
maybe an on switch. Hello, hello. No, there's nothing coming out. Holy pop. Um, Okay. Um, hello? Got me. Okay. Um, points we got. Um, what it shows about the resurrection. Jesus really died because he had the marks on his body. Um, and it was really him. Um, Thomas wanted personal proof and he got it. So that would encourage other people who were doubting to believe. Um, Jesus knew what Thomas had said, even though Jesus wasn't there when he said it, and the disciples hadn't seen him in between to tell him. So, you know, Jesus is still supernaturally knows things. Um, and shows Jesus love because he graciously answered Thomas. Um, and uh, Jesus could just appear. He didn't need to walk through the door. Um, so somehow his body was different. Um, and um, one reason John put it in, where Thomas says, my Lord and my God, that's a great counter to Gnosticism. Um, and also, um, he puts the story in so that it could be written, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Again, encouraging people to believe. Um, and a question that's not quite answered is, why was Thomas not there the first time Jesus appeared? But maybe that was so that all this other bit could happen. different kind of body that's um, what became and although he was resurrected the disciples were still afraid and um, was included in it because it was proof positive um, and it was a key meeting with the disciples he imparted this power and authority and shows us the importance of forgiveness and they needed his peace which he breathed upon them and said peace be upon you and receive the Holy Spirit. I'm 